Hey, Dame. What's up? Do you know what today's date is? <sighs> Not exactly. It's like February something? It is February. It's the shortest month of the year. Mm-hmm. I think that means it's Black History Month. Ah. Boom, boom, boom. So for all you Black History buffs, <laughs> <laughs> go down to the Apple Store. It's a celebration of Black History Month. Learn from dynamic creators who are changing cultural narratives through visual arts, photography, poetry, dance, film, and more. Join creative sessions to connect, collaborate, and be inspired from February 1st to the 29th. And I'm here to vouch. For those of you that are skeptical of Black History Month and like, who are these people? The Apple Store folks are cool. We were hanging out with them all last month. Did a great series. I'm rocking with them. I'm trusting their Black History stuff. That's Go do bold. it. That is bold. Here's a couple. Here's a, here's a couple of things they got. I just going. went out on the limb. For, for. <laughs> Yikes. Here's a couple of things they got going on this month. There's a video lab talking about how to use video and civic engagement on the eighth from two to three p.m. Then Melody Angel is hosting a music lab showing y'all how to create a blues track. Then our good friends from 60 Inches from Center, shout out Tempest, Squat. are doing an exclusive on archiving your own story. Oh, that man. sounds right up That's our That's something alley. we should go to. And then the wonderful Roy Kinsey Boom. doing a music lab on crafting your musical memoir. And then another Ergo alum, Rach Jackson, doing some narratives in music on the 26th. So it's going to be another good month at the Apple Store. This limb... Is working pretty well for me. I'm standing on this branch. It's a bunch of our people up there. So go check it out. Visit apple.co slash Black History Month 2020 to reserve your spot. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Hello. What's up? Welcome to Ergo. You are here. I'm Kiss. I'm Damon. And we are excited to bring you this episode as part of our Go Back series. Rewind. Listen to the whole thing backwards. <laughs> it's going to get really confusing. But we're really excited. We, we've now been doing this for quite a while, and we've built up quite an archive. And we had some amazing people really early on, and maybe burnt through our contacts too fast. <laughs> there are now many more people listening, um, and a big intention of this work was to create a historical archive. So we want to have folks engage with it now. So throughout the year, we're going to be giving you these go-back episodes where you can get some retrospect and see where some really cool people were a few years ago here on Echo. And where they are now. Right. In addition to the conversations, we also have some custom animations and illustrations for each go-back episode done by Ergo listener stalwart. Shout out to you, Ariana Eggleston. Shout Coming out, Ariana. through with the illustrations every month. Make sure that you go follow Ariana's work. You can see the Instagram on our Instagram. My limited connection to gang activity mm-hmm. happened on Eggleston Avenue, so... <laughs> <laughs> so make of that what you I was know. one to two degrees removed. Don't worry, people. <laughs> Relax. Today, we have our conversation with Domati Pongo. Domati is an amazing journalist, media maker, and he's been doing some great, great work with MTV News over the last year or so. So when we had him on, he was working at WGN. He was hosting some podcasts. We also talk about how he takes black Americans to Ghana, which he's still doing. Man, he's the OG. He was doing that before it was cool on Instagram. <laughs> That's like the wave now. But he might he was, have made it cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. He got that trending. So shout out to you, Domin T. But he has since moved to New York City, 
where he's working at MTV. First, he was doing a web show for them. Now he's on like just TV television. and like red carpets and <laughs> Grammys and all type of stuff. He's also uh, hosting True Life Crime, and he's done some really interesting work there. The first episode was highlighting the story of Kanika Jenkins, mm-hmm. which was a local story that got a lot of attention here, but then kind of slipped through the cracks. So he did some really good, thoughtful reporting on that story and more. Plus, he's just like... He's kind of like Bizarro World Us. Yeah, yeah. He's our friend. He's nice. If we were better at like shaking hands and he's one, he's like us if we knew how to win awards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of the last times I saw him this summer. He was like, hey man, I like them audiogram things y'all doing, man. I want one. Here you go, Domity. With an illustration. Boom. So, Domity, you're welcome. Audience, let's go back to our conversation with Domity Pongo. Hello. Yes, yes, yes. To all three things you're about to say. <laughs> that was perfect. I'm getting it out the way. Yes, I agree. Bringing a lot of positivity <laughs> here on Ergo. WHBK, ErgoRadio.com. I'm Kiss. I'm Damon. Yes, you are. I agree to all the things that have been said. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. We have a great guest here today. Uh, as we always do, what we do is we have live, long-form conversations with folks reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more equitable and the more creative. Um, first, you got anything up top? Any announcements to the community, Dame? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is a rare one. I have very few. Very few announcements. I have Come on, one, community. I've, What's up? Yeah. Well, give me shout, some well we, we could do a, a community shout out. Um, the Trauma Center opened hey. here this, this yes. week after a, a, a five to seven year uh, battle. So, so shout out to Fly. Definitely shout out to the guests we've had up here and the homies, Tweak and Veronica. Absolutely. Nice to... Uh, Nice to have a tangible win every yeah, once in yeah. a while. Uh, also tonight, that's Thursday night at uh, Build Coffee, um, is the next public newsroom, and it's with Ergo alum AJ Christian of Open TV. So if you're curious about how to get involved in TV and web series and or just have seen what they've made and were impressed, uh, get a little behind the scenes, learn how AJ and his crew does what they do. You want to hear something crazy? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I can't re- tell you or remember how or why, but with either last night or the night before, AJ was in my dream, and I didn't realize it. Interesting. Until he just got announced for the community. What so happened? I just told you I can't answer those things, but I do remember vividly, like, oh, yeah, that's AJ. And he was, like, kind of tired. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he had just got done doing something. He was just like, ah, I'm going to sit down. He's got, like, five jobs <laughs> even in your dream. Yeah, uh, we should talk about dreams, but maybe first. Maybe, maybe I want to talk about dreams. Yeah, one, one more. I dream a lot. <laughs> I dream a lot. Like, I, and I think dreams are the the keys to understanding what's to come. Like, prophecy comes through dreams. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what's to serious. come is an introduction. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> Breathe the room. May eleventh, fourteen thirty four. West fifty first, five to nine. Come rock. It's big envision and justice joint. That's all I can remember. Perfect. So. Here is that aforementioned introduction. <laughs> yes. Our guest today, a anchor, a journalist, a media maker, a rapper, and many other roles that hopefully we'll have time <laughs> to get to. Folks, Domiti Pongo is here. What's going on, man? Before before we get to how we start the show, just just a little bit of something for the people. We have a real professional in the studio with us today. <laughs> and so I, I'm on my P's and Q's because I know he's not playing. This is an Ergo first. And we, we're getting old in this Ergo game and we don't have many firsts. But this is the first guest to come with his own radio head 
headphones. I, it's it's and like plug a them into the jack. I'm telling, it's a security <laughs> blanket. Like I can't do radio without my headphones on. It's really strange. It's funny too because uh, I interviewed someone yesterday. I actually got to interview Unt Viv, the, the second Unt Viv, though. Ooh, okay, yeah, controversy, yeah. controversy. Yeah, <laughs> I interviewed Unt Viv, and we gave her some headphones, and she was like, "I know what I sound like. I don't need these." I was like, "Okay." She's really in, doesn't she have the like Bill big film production studio in Virginia? Is that her? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She has a big. I don't know where it's based, but yeah, yeah. she has a big film production studio. It's one of the only like black owned film like major motion picture scale. They have a two scale model of the Oval Office. So mm. pretty much anything you've seen filmed in the White House in an Oval Office was filmed at her studio. That's a good niche to have. They mm-hmm. they need the Oval Office often. I a- absolutely. About that. And let me be like totally respectful of her real name Daphne Maxwell Reed I can't just say the second unveil journalism right Daphne Maxwell Reed is her name thank you so much for joining us yes now now let's do it now that people know that that we're not playing around this week Uh, we always like to start the show with this two part question Mm. uh, and and that is in this time and define time however it it, whatever that means to you that can mean today this hour this season this year this mm. lifetime, right? In this time. <laughs> Lifetime's a little bit. But no, yeah, I mean, you know, time and space, you know, yep. you know, mm-hmm. you know, you could be thinking on a sometimes I yes, think yes, yes. I think on five hundred year scales sometimes. Word. But um yeah, the question is, how is the world treating you and how are you treating the world? The world is being really kind to me right now. And the world is fickle. So I'm embracing mm. it right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, everything has peaks and valleys. The world is being very kind to me, and I'm in turn being very kind to the world. And I think it's self-congratulatory, but I think some of that good karma put out there starting to starting to return to me, you know. So yeah. What yeah. is kindness like what is you being kind to the world? What are a couple of examples of what that looks like? So lately I've been doing this thing where I take over the past three years, I've been taking African Americans to West Africa, to Ghana. Both my parents are from Ghana. I was born in Chicago and I'm trying to learn the language. I didn't speak mm-hmm. it growing up. So that's like the big hurdle I'm trying to get over right now is learning tree and learning ewe those two languages. So trying to learn them simultaneously, but I've been taking African-Americans back to the continent so they can reconnect with where they're from. We go to the slave castles. We have a, just a big, uh, what I call an identity tour kind of where people Mm -hmm. really understand and reconnect with who they are and come back and tell these stories to the community. And when we go there, we always go to different schools and donate things. So this year we went to the school of the deaf and blind gave them some uh, books made of Braille. They didn't have any Braille books. Mm. We're buying them a new machine that's used to convert regular textbooks to Braille books. And there was a young lady there. I I showed her the book and, and, you know, it has on one side the Braille words describing different things. And on the other side, it has like, the word fuzzy and then it has like a strip of cloth that's mm-hmm. fuzzy to the touch mm-hmm. and so she's like fusey fusey what's this fusey what is what is this and then <laughs> she touches it and she jumps uh-huh. like you know and it's just crazy to see like that heightened sense of touch like this yeah. is the first time hearing the word fuzzy and touching something fun. sounds so simple yeah. but to someone who can't see who's a, a young girl and never had a book with these types of things in them it was pretty dope so that that was that's a way that I, I hope I'm being kind to the world not only this side of the world but over uh, back home I want to get very deep into that but just that part right there this is not funny so it sounds like a joke in my head so a disclaimer of like I'm not making a joke Okay, that sounds like the first thing a, that's like really significant that like a, a blind school did not have access to braille books. Like that feels no, yeah, no, pretty primary in, in educating. Yeah. The Absolutely, no, it's not funny at all. Yeah, it's it, it sucks. I mean, even schools like we went to 
uh, schools for orphan children. Actually, that school, a lot of the children's children there were orphans. And even schools where the kids can read, can see and hear, they don't even have like, they don't have good books. You know, I mean, you think about black schools in Chicago don't have good books. How much more so a poor country that has been colonized and left to fend for itself due to all of these other systemic things that happened, you know, by way of colonization worldwide, worldwide. So the very like simple thing that they need, they don't have. And they had a machine actually sat down and did a demonstration showing us how long it takes to physically transcribe a book. Like one student reads the book out loud. Another student takes this makeshift machine because the really sophisticated one broke Mm -hmm. and basically puts these holes into a page to create braille pages. Like old school, like scribing and manuscript writing, like like before printing presses. She might as as well have had a stone slab and a chisel and a hammer. And uh, and no, you're right. I mean, you would think they would have these things. And it was funny because as we were bringing supplies, uh, someone, luckily, someone on our trip worked at a school for the deaf and blind before, so knew what to bring. Yeah. We're like, of course they have braille books. Why don't we bring books? Let's bring other stuff. And then we came and that was the thing that they needed. So, yeah. It's a good it's a good model and I think back to like even let us breathe stuff of just not being able or willing to make that assumption of what someone needs. Yes. Uh and you just often end up surprised with like what are the actual tangible things that people need day to day and then on a larger scale to help make their lives better cuz it's either something very obvious like that that you wouldn't think of right. or it's something very specific that you would never think of in a million years. So you kind of just exactly. have to ask. Exactly. You know? Yeah, like and and the the the, the like there's no end to how to the surprise of how much lack there is, right? Like right. the the things that we take f- for real granted. So, like, I I, I want to talk Thanks. about that that trip, like even beyond the material, sure. Because uh, like before Mike's, I was like kind of one of the first things you mentioned about what's going on in your world and your life. So, um, what you know, what kind of got you started in doing that? That's something I really want to know. But another thing I'm curious about um, is how folks receive it especially you know i always hear about like the magical connection mm. folks have when they retouch the continent but now uh starting to have greater technology of finding out the specifics of like ethnicity or nationality or or, or particular tribe and so how did folks connect to like the Ghanaian experience knowing that all black people in America are not necessarily Ghanaian as we understand it? right right nah that's true so they re- I'll answer the second question first. They received it very well, which came as a big relief to me because one of the things I was scared of is that, you know, you create this vision, like we kind of do like a light orientation, let them know what to expect, what what they'll see, et cetera. And you think that you've created this utopian idea of what Africa will be like. You'll step off the right. plane and everyone will say, Akwaba, which means welcome. And yeah. you just get this resound. And I'm, I, you know, we paint this picture for them and you just hope that when you yeah. get there, that's really what happens. And it is really what happens. Especially if you talk to like a, a lot of African-Americans, you know, a lot of things they say in this disconnect, they'll talk about, well, I heard Africans don't like us. I heard they don't like African-Americans. They think we're lazy. They believe all the lies that are told about us in terms of stereotypes and all of that. And you get there and it's not true. You're embraced. You know, as soon as you come back off the, the plane outside of the airport, people run, run up to you. Welcome. Thank you for coming back home. They hug you. We got some of this. We were shooting a documentary. Actually, we got a lot of footage mm. on, on some of that, what that interaction is like so that's dope 
And ahead of coming, a lot of people who travel with us did their ancestry. Yeah. So there was one okay, sister, cool. Deborah Farmer, found out that she's Ghanaian. Uh, another brother found out that he was uh, from Burkina Faso and Cameroon. Uh, but being in West Africa, that was the closest mm-hmm, he was going to mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. in that particular uh, time to, to his home country. And yeah, a lot of people, the pastor that, that, t- that I went with, he found out he was Ghanaian. So a lot of people found out what it was like. And then we also traced the slave trade. Mm-hmm. So even those from Cameroon and Burkina Faso likely had to physically walk from those countries to mm-hmm. Ghana mm-hmm. to these slave castles. And we kind of traced that whole route. And so he finds so out this was the port. Either This way. was the port. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder, you know, you, you kind of mentioned that, um, you know, you hear about that, that magical return feeling. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there could also be like great pressure with that. Like, what if you don't feel like that when you get off the plane? Um, and it does, cause you know, I've been thinking a lot about landlessness and, and, and like expanding homelessness beyond like a physical place you live, but just in general, like the idea mm-hmm. of what is home. And sometimes you're not connected to the places that you're supposed to be connected to, right. or you feel connected to somewhere that isn't the place. So was that anybody's experience uh, of showing up and being like, this is cool and it's an eye opening experience, but like there isn't that magical reconnection of lineage just from stepping foot off an airplane well i'll be transparent first is that i was nervous that i wouldn't feel that Mm -hmm. you know because i'd gone to ghana when i was six years old with my whole family and i i I went when i was a baby i can't remember but i remember going when i was six but i was hoping going back as an adult that i would feel a connection like how embarrassing would it be to my own (laughs) sense of identity domiti pongo goes back to africa and is like what the f is this (laughs) like so you know it just got out the well just Right. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. You know, this place is weird, but no, I, I felt it. And there were moments, but I was, my, all of my travelers felt that same sense of coming home, but there were moments yeah. that reminded them that they were other. Right. Um, when you go to the market and, you know, crime, they're not really concerned with being violently assaulted or robbed or anything like that, but you might get scammed out of some money at the market. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why would somebody who looks like me try to finesse me? Why would they overcharge me? Well, you're an American. Yeah. You you come with money. You come with resources. They think you have it. So if and you who don't, are, who are these people who are not used to getting finessed? By people? <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. By people that look like them. Yeah. And, and so we have to unpack that too, right? What makes you think that you're supposed to go to Africa and they're supposed to be the more? Exactly. <laughs> what? You're from the south side. You get finessed by people who you look like you every day. Some of them are related to and selling you. Most of them are you. <laughs> right facts you know what i mean so oh, i mean it, it's something that happens when we go uh elsewhere and we expect to be like more so embraced or people should just be blessed by our presence in this way and then we also have to have conversations unpacking why w- w- what makes us not feel at home but i mean but you got to realize there are things that when you get to Africa and you look at billboards and you see dark skinned faces on the billboards and they look like you and the models all look like you and you just look at a sea of black people every there's just a sense of comfort. Like even walking on the University of Chicago campus coming here, I had sunglasses on and my hoodie up and I'm just walking through and I, I live not far away from here. So I'm, you know, I'm comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming they're comfortable with me, but people are kind of looking at me like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you get it yeah, some time. No, now. This is a particular beast. Yeah. This camp, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And so to go to a country where yeah. it's like you're just welcome, like everyone looks like everything. It's it's a feeling that most African-Americans have never felt before. The closest I could get to that 
is the 2017 Civil Room Block Party. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> that was black people, as far as the eye could see. Black, even though it was just from like Lake Park to Woodlawn. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But just about as it, far as the eye could see. it felt like yeah. the diaspora. Like, the, the, no, that's a fact, and that's I'm why safe space. No, it's real though, because I, I went to Silver Room and it was lit. Like, yeah. it was like I've never seen so yeah. many black people out carefree drinking in public. Like yeah. things we would get arrested for. Yeah, like it, we we got it, to it was be way different from the taste. Like the taste be hella black people but it's not our space mass like it was yes. just like a c but to get back to the to, to the voice series oh uh, not even serious but shout, I, out I'm, eric, I'm, shout out to eric shout out to so we gotta have him up here we mm-hmm. keep saying that oh, yeah. um but I, but but i have like some personal curiosity because sure. you know i have aspirations to like be connected to the diaspora and, and to experience the continent as i as i grow what so we we have these like um pre- preconceived note no, I'm gonna shout that out. You're the biggest this is a pro. With the cough button. <laughs> he came and turned off his own mic for his cough. I love that. So we we actually had someone throw up on air one time. Oh wow! We I gotta to, top that. We went to music though. We, we, we it was perfect. Well, we're not gonna say who it was again. Yeah, yeah, you gotta go back and dig through the archives for that. But she showed up. She was terribly hungover. Oh wow! She was like, I'm not sure if I can do it. But she was I a champ. Try. Though. Did a great 25 minutes of conversation. Said, I'm not feeling well. We said, we'll be right back. Played a song. Threw up into a garbage can. Put it outside. We came back from the song. Power she was good. Now, that's professional. <laughs> yeah. That's professional right there. It was another professional as well. Shout out. I'm but, about um, to dig through the crates and like <laughs> stop at the 25 we, we, mark. On we, can, we, we can tell you off air. <laughs> yeah, but um, my, my my curiosity on the other. So we have this like preconceived notion of like this anti-American notion that they they, they have of us. What are the things that... You have to teach the people who come with you or people have had to unlearn about how we occupy space and how our American, like what, what are kind of like the validities to some of the, is my question making sense? Like, uh, explain a little of more. their conceptions of. What are things that black people from the city got to check when we go to the continent? Okay. Yeah. Let me um, just get right to it. Sometimes yes, I'm yes. too verbiose. No, no, no. Word. I'm, <laughs> I'm the same way. Um, that's a good question. I think sometimes, and this happens here in the States too, sometimes we expect too much from our own people so that like any grievance you have, you're like, you go to, you go to the- See, that's why you can't work. That's why I don't go to black people because they don't name them now. Thank you. I was, I was about to be too verbose too, but you <laughs> yeah, feel me. But so, everybody knows that. That's yeah. All right there. We're really, we're really hard on ourselves sometimes. <laughs> so sometimes when you go to the continent and you know, you're at a restaurant and they're making all of the food from scratch and they have like- the literally in the back the chicken you're eating has come from a farm like this is homegrown <laughs> food like you know and and it takes time they're cooking and stuff and they're waiting they're like man why can't they get it together why can't and then you know you have to have conversations about what does real food sustainability look like why is mcdonald's so fast <laughs> why is an actual restaurant where you can see where the food was grown why would it take longer and over time the trips have gotten better where we talk to the restaurants before we get there and we get there the food is ready it's like a buffet style it's the whole thing but <laughs> some of those things we have to talk through and then we also have to talk through analyzing why countries look the way they do i think oftentimes you know especially america we're, we're not really taught about world affairs well, american, colonialism overall o- overall you know american tv is really america centric if you go across the world any country and you watch cnn or bbc They'll have like a, they go around the world and show you, here's what's happening in Italy today or North Korea, China. Right. This is what, in the U.S., it's Trump, 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 
Trump China, Trump, 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 Trump. And so you don't really get that. So Kanye. You, yeah, hey, right. Hey, right. And a little bit and of only Kanye. Once he mentioned Trump. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, only with yeah, only with Kanye mentioned Trump. Is he coming on the next one? I feel like that might be helpful at this moment. We need him to come. Because he doesn't understand what's going on right now. But even that, like, it's funny, these Kanye conversations let me know how uninformed people are about the slave trade, about colonialism and the lasting effects of it. So when we go to the country and we look at the museums, like if a museum isn't as well kept as the field museum. Well, let's unpack why that is. Let's let's talk where about where the field museum come from. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And where did which thi- which field are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, wait, hold on. No, <laughs> but no, nah, but yeah. So it's it's it, those conversations about why does Africa look the way it does. There's a book called How Europeans Underdeveloped Africa. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's my joint. Shout out Walter Rodney. That's, yes. that's the, that is everybody a central needs text to... of this book. It'll we're gonna add it to the Ergo reading list. It, after should, this it should definitely yes. be. On oh, the you guys got a reading list? Yeah, 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 yeah. On the website, there's a. Uh, it like looks like a virtual bookshelf and has the books that we continue to talk about on the show. So listeners, if you're curious about those, check those out and it links right to the booksellers. Yes. If, if you're black, you should read that book. If you're white, you should read that book. If you're not black or white, you should read that book just to understand basically how the world was shaped. And as one that way, Chancellor Williams, I think it's called The Destruction mm-hmm, of African mm-hmm, Civilization. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's another that's one, too. I'm right sure that's there. on the list as well. It so. will be now. Hey, <laughs> yeah, that you said it. That. So, so we can transition out of this. What The last thing I have to say is how are you preparing now for the Wakanda craze? Because you've done this all pre Black Panther. Now people's whole joint is going to be completely <laughs> different. Actually, so we went in March 2018. So we oh, were okay. right in the midst. Oh, so you were in the, the, the eye of the storm. There's a person, <laughs> there's one guy who literally came on the trip, bought his, paid all of his fees at a higher price two days before because he'd gone to see Black Panther wow. and said, yo, I need to go see. And then, you know, the the, kid, the coordinator was like, you do know, you know, <laughs> Wakanda isn't a real place. We're going to Ghana and Ghana doesn't have vibranium. And he's like, no, I know. But the place was so beautiful. I know there's some truth and I know it's written in it, it written in within some truth. And I want to go see the truth of what inspired yeah. Black Panther. And I was like, well, so literally that was the craze. And I also, you know, there are a lot of people who over intellectualize the whole thing. Stop crossing their arms. Like, all right, Tom, like, <laughs> right, right, right. Like, come on. Photo <laughs> Exactly. But people get, get so, you know, they're like, yo, we, uh, we need to stop allowing movies to dictate how comfortable we are with our own culture, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, whatever gets people interested mm-hmm. in learning more about themselves is a positive thing to me. So I hope next year we have even more and more people coming. Actually, I inspired another brother to go. Um, Jamal Cole, my block, my hood, my city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's taking a whole bunch of kids to Ghana uh, wow. next year. So. Yeah, that's cool. yeah. so how does this piece and this piece of your work and your time and your energy fit in, if it does at all? To kind of how you approach the media making and that, you know, because you do so many things and sometimes from the outside when there's people who are, you know, wear many hats, they look separate, but obviously, you know, they all kind of function to some degree together. So how how does this fit into what you're trying to do on a larger scale? That's a really good question because like I, I face that a lot, like even when talking about branding or even off mic as we were talking about the interview and going into it, you know, what do you want to talk about right now? And really as as people... People want people to be easily explained, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even in this conversation, as wrong as Kanye is, we also have to identify that people are complex and have contradicting ideas and have strong opinions about things they've never read about. And I think for me, as a whole human being going to Ghana and making this a part of like one of my life's missions and in, introducing African-Americans to the continent, 
it helps me to realize the totality of what it means to be human and that everything doesn't have to tie together into career. Mm. Now, that being said, it does because I, you know, I've done radio interviews over there. You know, I've got radio personality, a cousin who's a radio personality there. Yeah. We're creating some content, oh, a documentary there. Yeah. <laughs> shout out Agnes and Toe and uh, 97.3 out there in Ghana was a 97.8, the big jam, the morning show. Oh, that's yeah, we, love. They, this is their morning show. <laughs> right, right, right. We've we got like a syndication thing. We come on, we do the early morning. Show. Right, right. The early, early yeah, mornings. Yeah. Yeah. But you but know, with the time difference, it works out. <laughs> exactly. But nah, and so, you know, all of that to say a really long winded way of saying it doesn't connect at all and it connects in every way at the yeah, same yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's get into some of the roles that you're doing on this continent. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out even where I first came across your work, your name and your, your work is just something that as people in a, I hate media space, but in a media space, that's wow. not public radio. And that's not like, you know, crazy inner intercom viacom on every scale right largest stuff i just kept kind of coming across um your work so of all the different roles kind of where do you see for you right now when people ask what do you do how do you answer oh uh, man um my storyteller mm -hmm. i think all of all of it ties into storytelling like as an mc you're telling stories Going to Ghana, I'm telling a story about where they come from. Actually, the Ghana trip, and I'd be remiss to say this, uh, it started from my job at WVON, mm -hmm. Black-owned station here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And they were like, there was this tour company that took trips to different parts of the African diaspora, takes people to Cuba, where Afro-Cubans are, and all these places. I was like, wait a minute, your news anchors from Ghana? Let's do that. And so that's how this started. And I kept it going even after leaving and ended up at WGN. But I just described myself as a as a storyteller. And, you know, even as I haphazardly ended up in media and radio, I had to think about what, you know, how does, do I really want to stay in this field? Who am I for real? And right. at the end of the day, a storyteller, because hip hop introduced me to different places that I'd never been to. I knew about Harlem before I got there because of Dipset, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I knew about Cali because of Pac, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I think, I ho hopefully that as storytellers, we invite people to our spaces, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Through our mediums. Yeah. Mm. And so <clears throat> in which medium do you, do you see yourself like investing the most energy right now? Oh. It's pretty balanced. You diversified. Yeah, I, I mean, I wrote. I wrote for the first time uh, not too long ago for the Sun Times, and I, I'd always been apprehensive about writing, even though I always felt like I was a decent writer. I never, I'd never written for print, and after seeing that process and seeing what's possible, I'm like. This is possible. I can see this. So I want to do a lot more writing. I love podcasting, yeah. the free the freeness of it. Yeah. I love the art of radio. And despite how vain it sounds, who doesn't like seeing himself on TV from time to time? <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Well, that's the thing is once you figure out how to make some portion of your life just talking, trying to write is really, really, really much harder. Yeah. Than, than even no like facts. even how you edit audio is easier than editing text because you have so much more to work with and it's more dynamic. I've tried to do it again recently and writing was something that I did growing up and took very seriously. And it, it's just like the, the intensity and the like word by word editing is just really, really hard. Yeah, the, the physicality of it. It can make me like not. And I'm a, I, I, I know that I, and you're I, a brilliant I, writer, bro. Yeah, yeah, I know no, that for I a fact. <laughs> Real talk. Real talk. And, but the problem is a lot of it is how we were taught to write. Mm -hmm. Like we were taught yeah. to write in schools, you know, topic, sentence, then body, then conclusion. Mm -hmm. And conversations don't always flow like yeah. that. Like, I mean, you know, we, we've we jumped around. Like, this is how free-flowing streams of consciousness, to quote my man Kanye, <laughs> this is how they, they come about. And a lot of that 
we have to unlearn to be great writers. Like mm-hmm. I like Ta-Nehisi Coates because he has these long streams of consciousness yeah. and there's not this real format. James Baldwin, the way he emotes in his words is yeah, different yeah. than and going into in poetics to prose and back and forth, back and forth yeah. between the two, right. Yeah. You, you know, to narrative and then going back to poet poetry is like, you know, and uh, man, that right there, like probably defies things that people were taught is how things should go. Either yeah. it's prose or it's a poem or it's an essay. Yeah. You know, you can't fuse all of these things and have this cohesive idea. So we got to unlearn that. And unlearning it has been a challenge for me. Yeah, because it's, and it's something that the way you get good at it, I think, is to learn it and then unlearn it. Because if you don't learn it, then you still have to have the proficiency of those things to be able to move so quickly between them. And it doesn't mean like it has to be rote, but I do think there is something that's good about like you have to know, they always say with like abstract painting and stuff like that, you have to be able to paint the fruit bowl perfectly before you can then reimagine what the fruit bowl looks like. Like you have to understand what is. Like, I agree and disagree. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do think the guardrails help you to understand what you're doing, so you're intentional about when you you know you know how the wall is built, so that when you break it down, you know why you broke it down and where you broke it down. But then on the other end, sometimes in that you lose a sense of creativity. Sure. Yeah, and and you, and then when you go back and read, uh, your abstractions, you know, you wonder if you drew too far outside the lines yeah, yeah. and you start to question yourself and you start to doubt yourself. So it's a give and take. For sure. And yeah. you're someone who kind of learned the guardrails and the structures for, for media and for radio in a way that neither of us really did. So what are some things that you've had to unlearn about how to talk into microphones or how to talk on the radio um, that's, that have been helpful in that unlearning process? Man, why that's so dope is that I think why I'm a decent journalist is because I didn't go to J school in a lot of ways. I I went to school for economics. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of learned in the field. And I remember when I, you know, after a few years at WVON, I was asking a mentor, I was like, yo, I want to go get my master's or maybe I might have to get a bachelor's and and, and go to school for journalism. They're like, really? You're learning in the field. You know, you're really figuring it out. So a lot of mistakes I made on the fly, like think silly things that you do, like you interview someone and you have them say their name or whatever, but you don't have them spell it. Really small things. <laughs> like, you know, finding out how old someone is and what school they go to yeah. and then how that can inform the perspective they're coming with with the story. Really simple things. Like, normally when you report, you ask, you ask the question, you know, uh, you know, how do you feel about XYZ thing? Mm-hmm. You live in Woodline. Okay, cool. That That's the story. But then as you ask more questions about the person, part of the story and what they're bringing to the story becomes its own story. And I actually found that out in writing for the Sun-Times. Like, Mm -hmm. I made a lot of mistakes, you know, and I was talking to the editor, said, you know, next time you go back out there, you ask these questions to these people because there might be something here. Mm -hmm. And that was... That was a learning curve for me yeah. that I had to get over really quickly because I had to turn the stories around yeah. within like six hours, you know? So right, right. there's that. And then there's also a lot that I learned from recording, being an MC, like about, um, you know, distance from the microphone and cutting it off to cough and you know, stuff <laughs> like, like simple things like that. And and then finding ways to, which is something I still cha- uh, have a challenge with speaking sound bites. Cause I know as, as a radio personality, when I'm, chopping sound bites i look for those key sentences mm-hmm. like if you guys are doing this episode and you you mix it back and you just only have 15 seconds to say what yeah. it was like what is that sentence you take from me if i have these five minute tirades it's going to be hard to do that so i'm trying to get better at that 
I uh, I already have one identified. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Talk however you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and speaking of which, uh, what high school did you go to? <laughs> right, right, right. TF North, man. Why are oh, you went to TF North? Oh, okay. TF North, Calumet City, oh, man. Yeah, you out, out in South Suburbs. That's that's what's up. Yeah, South uh, Suburbs. Kind of want. I, I do want to explore that a little bit further, but I want to kind of stay in in the the mode of of how you've been able to engage or occupy space. Cause you're one right. of those people that like, I feel kind of like a, a kindred kind of connection to like being in Chicago or maybe just America period. You know, there, there's this like this pooling of like young black men that have a certain type of access or are able mm-hmm. to communicate in different spaces. Like, right. We get like kind of, put in a basket yeah, right so yeah, it's like yeah. you me malcolm like you know it's like right, right, it's like right. four or five folks you might get called them and like no nah, I'm, I'm done with tv right yeah yeah, yeah exactly you know? yeah. it's like no i'm dang yeah. i'm the other black smart I know, black guy i know you're yeah. talking about but <laughs> right. um so I, I i feel that we have that and then like we have also some similar outlooks but we operate like in different in different way and like yeah. i think there was a, a comfort that you have with like the establishment and like the black establishment uh-huh. uh, that like that path was definitely given to me. And I still have some of that access, but I've like rejected a lot of it and just how I right. move and how I perform and even just like how I look and present myself. Uh-huh. And so my curiosity is what might I be missing or taking for granted from the black establishment as, as you have like, Gone deeper, you know, whether it be you in radio. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be nice. I, I was no, trying not to take any shots. No, no, no. I, I, so it's, it's what it is. You ain't listening. It is what it is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> bravo. You know, <laughs> a lot of times, I, <laughs> a lot of times, I even wonder. No FOMO, Dave. You good? Yeah. No, no fear of missing out. No, I mean, a lot of times, I'm even surprised that I'm embraced by the circles I'm embraced at. Like, I give you a perfect example. I was at Village Leadership Academy. Shout uh, out VLA. Day. Shout out VLA. <laughs> they awarded uh, they awarded me the Catalyst to Hope Award. You know, not so humble brag. I'm real proud of that award. What? Yes. Now Catalyst. I'm appalled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe you missed out on award. That's, yeah. what, <laughs> that's, 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 that's it. There it is yeah. right there. Yeah, you, you, I'm sure your plaque game and certificate game is on a whole Oh, it's going level. crazy. Yeah. It's going crazy. And so, like, no, I was... <laughs> How it came about was the principal, uh, Nikisha uh, Hobbs um, and brother Osei Hutchinson, they reached out to me a few months back to moderate a discussion that their youth were having about a trip they'd taken to Ghana. Mm. And the questions, I thought it would just be me talking to kids about what it was like being in Africa. But of course, if you know VLA, you oh, know they're that these, real. They're, they're real. They're yeah. very intelligent. So these students were talking about economic opportunity, what they learned about bridging the gap between American ingenuity and some of the natural resources in Ghana and you know just really these deep conversations moderated that discussion and then later on they you know research found out about me some of my writings and some the trips I've been doing back and forth and you know that's how it came to be the catalyst of hope and then when I gave the say I like to say when I gave the speech I was talking about the day prior I visited uh one of my best friends who got killed his child's mother and her family she was talking about you know um you know has been since GQ died and you know, it was just a, a serious, a lot of personal things that we talked about. And so when I went to that room and I saw all these people real well to do in the, in the suits and everything, I said, y'all, y'all know, you know, as we sit in the Sears Tower, when we talk about this, you know that we can't forget 
why it is that we're where we are. Like sometimes I wonder if the black establishment, the so-called black elite, I wonder if they even love black people sometimes mm-hmm. because the way they rail against us, like I, it's crazy how we're sticking up for Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby hated black men. I mean, yeah. you sag your pants, yeah. you name your daughter. Shanika, <laughs> you, so, I mean, and even the conversation that happened in these circles about Cardi B and why people love Cardi B, Cardi B's love because she's my cousin, like not my cousin, but she's our, our cousin. cousin. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And we want to see our cousin win. And so it's like, sometimes it seems like they're fighting for a certain type of black person. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm able to be a chameleon sometimes and, and put on the face, but when I get on these podiums, I drop the G's on my word. Mm-hmm. I speak how I speak. And I'm like, yo, my, my bro just died the other day. And I doubt that many of you would have come to his funeral and been comfortable, you know? Mm, so let's, mm. let's really unpack that and make sure that we're really fighting for the people we say we love yeah. when we get on these microphones. And so I think that's my purpose in that space. Mm. Yeah. So in thinking about that chameleoning, which I, right. I, I like how you yeah. use that word, where are some, how do you think about the purpose of that chameleoning and not getting lost in the changing colors? Because right, when right. you, from yeah. a, from a consumer of what of what you make, mm-hmm. it's very clear that your voice is consistent, kind of across the board. Um, Thank yeah, you. how do you how do you think about that? That was actually that was biggest, dope. That was that dope. dope. The, the not get lost to the change of colors. Wait, Poetry, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's do it. Give me my award. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, kids. That's what I'm talking about. But not, nah, yeah, not. Nah, it's yeah. The black elite needs to, they would they would love you. <laughs> love you. Young catalyst all over the community. Damn, you're kissing your people. Exactly. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm telling you. Nah, I think I think the first thing is like take whatever. And one on BET award. <laughs> exactly. No, and he would be awarded too. Like, did Robin Thicke win like a BET award? <laughs> but <laughs> but now I think the thing is um finding the truth and finding the authentic- authenticity and who I'm relating to. So like you find what you love about that person when you talk to him, and then you just live in that. Mm. So what binds me to this older white lady who we'd have nothing else in com- common is our love for telling stories or journalism. And so when we have a conversation about, you know, ethics or how our industry has changed ever since the presidency of Trump and right. what what that looks like, we really connect on a real level. So at the at that point, the substance of what I'm saying matters more than, you know, what she sees and who's saying it and the differences that we have. And then when I go into these spaces with, you know, people who I feel like wouldn't hang with the people I grew up with, you know, their passion for uh, excellence, you know what I mean? And for actually maintaining their blackness because let's be the black establishment could easily pull a Kanye. They could, they could become CEOs at these places and say, you know, no, nah, I'm not sending my kid to Howard. And you know, they could become something else. They and could theoretically. theoretically. <laughs> right. I know if they, if, if they maybe, you know? and maybe they're smart enough to know it wouldn't work, but they would, they could try. They, they could, could try. make the choice to try. They could make the choice or to try. The- yeah. I mean, so, I, I, for those who couldn't see my face, I was being tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but yeah, <laughs> because there was there was a crime bill, there was there was all types of things where they where they they were pretty conservative and and like promoted anti black policy as as a a, a group as a group. Yeah, yeah if, we, if we're painting with a broad stroke, absolutely, right. yeah. absolutely, to maintain some of these positions that they've risen to. Uh, but but you talk to a lot of people on the side, and they have a sense of consciousness or a, a sense of community that's like, okay, so you do seem to care. You just might not have the courage to move on what it is you you're telling me you believe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I mean, so to answer your question, finding the 
the common thread between all the spaces I move in. And then when you don't have that common thread, your truth is your core anyway. Right. So, you know, then you're never you, in there with nothing. Yeah. You're still, you're still you. Right. You know, yeah. So you just beat, beat back everything they're telling you, yeah. you know, based on your lived and learned experiences. And you have, and this is one thing I wanted to, to, people to get when they go to Ghana too. And a lot of people talk about this and I don't know how to quantify it, but anecdotally Africans are mad overconfident. Like, <laughs> like if you talk to a Nigerian, you will, you'll know that like you're talking to a Nigerian. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, my, my father is a prince. I am, I am a king, you know, like this, they, they, is this, the sense of confidence that you carry in a room with you. So then once you walk in a room and you don't care whether people accept you or like you or anything, mm-hmm. I, I'm not supposed to be at WGN radio. Like, like, you know, we met at a Freedom Square yeah. protest. Yeah, and I was, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's I was, where we I knew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was I, I was interviewing people there, getting actualities. Damon and I have mutual friends yeah, in these spaces, yeah, yeah. which a lot of times I, you know, I'm mum about some of these relationships because I don't want people to think it affects my reporting. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, when you report in truth, when you're telling the truth, it is true that we are disproportionately incarcerated. There's no bias in that. <laughs> so when I tell these truths, you know, there's nothing you can combat. There's data behind that. So, I mean, but but all of that, walking into a room with the confidence and saying, I don't care if they like me or not. Yeah. And speaking my truth, you know, people F with that, you know. Yeah, where did that, That's that's a great thing to have in your back pocket. Has that always been the case for you? Had you learned that confidence in yourself? Or that sense of who your truth is, what your truth is. Well, my dad told me what my name meant. Like, Domiti means the backbone of the family. My last name, Pongo, means workhorse. And it came from my grandfather. Um, it's a long... It's a real sturdy name right there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and my middle name, I won't even say it because I don't like saying my middle name a lot, but it means... Um, the thing we overlook is often the most important in Ewe. Ah. And, and it literally means like an old pot, like an old beat up mm-hmm. old pot. And the people are dying now to know the word. Just the, so I know. I know. <laughs> you, you have the, the agency, but I just want right. you, you, you got to, if you, you do your Googles long enough, you'll find it. <laughs> Domati.net, D-O-M-E-T-I.net. If you search around long enough, it'll, you'll find it. I doubt you care that much though, but it's Page 15 on Google. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. It's, <laughs> I found it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's there somewhere, but like that, when you carry that name and you know your name and, I remember the first time when I said, you know, dad at school, they're teasing me for being African and for being dark skinned and calling me African booty scratcher. They're saying my skin is too dark. Like he was like, you go to school and you tell them that they're light skinned because their ancestors were raped by their slave masters. And I was like, whoa. Damn, you just gave me some real fire. Pop. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yo, son, like I didn't even know what rape man, I'm six years old. Pop. And so I went to school and said it and like got in trouble and made kids cry. And then, <laughs> I was like, Daddy, did you? I, I asked him recently, like, did you mean to, to for me to go to school and tell him? He's like, Yeah. <laughs> he was I wanted like, to make those little kids cry. <laughs> yes. My intention was to make children sad. Yes, yeah, yeah that's what he they they want to make you cry, you make them cry. <laughs> so like that that was the thing. And so, but that I held my hair held my head high. And later on in life, I learned not to put other people down right. to make myself feel better. But also knowing where I come from. You already took that your confidence. You already, you already knew. I took you had, that W. You I took, knew you had that card in your back you pocket. Know what I'm <laughs> and that's really hurtful. You know what I mean? That's really hurtful. That's something that's not of your own choice and it perpetuates colorism. You know what I'm saying? So I want to be cognizant of that. But, you know, the overarching point is that knowing who I am has its own sense of currency. And, and 
becoming a um getting saved man i know we have a lot of a lot of controversy around religious views i'm a christian you know what i'm saying i'm an afrocentric christian and so when i found out my purpose in christ nobody can take god's given purpose for me so if i'm on i actually got my job at wgn radio from sitting on a panel alongside a whole bunch of white folk news directors from WBBM, news director from Robert Feeder was the moderator. Like it was a big deal. And I was being really open and black as hell in that panel. And it later turned on, turned into a job opportunity through networking. Mm -hmm. And I ended up coming to WGN radio. So I was like, from that on, that further emboldened me to whatever my truth is, no one can stop what God has for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm going to stay there with like, uh, care, but I, I, I'm curious, like, when you say Afrocentric Christianity, like mm. what is your understanding of that? And as someone who has obviously like a deep knowledge of colonization, yes, and therefore I assume the relationship of Christianity, right, and white supremacy and colonization. What does an Afrocentric Christian lens mean for you in, in in your life? And like, how do you reconcile or understand those histories? That's so real. That question is so heavy. Hold on, let me. Uh, let me <laughs> yeah, no, think take about your time. For, yeah, let me take my time, Pastor. I know Kiss over here was like, I'm gonna keep my hands in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, we'll be right back. Right. No, the Bible has been used as a tool of oppression, no doubt. I wouldn't be a Christian if not for. And this is why I respect people of different beliefs and faiths. The way I became a Christian, um, a family member died. I didn't grow up in the church. My mom started seeing this pastor. The pastor would prophesy. And during that time, I was in a lot of beefs, a lot of trouble in the streets. I'd been in a lot of fights. Um, I was hanging with the shooters. A lot, a lot was happening in that life. I was like 16, 17 years old. And, um, by 19, I finally go see this pastor. And as soon as I saw the guy, I, I just felt something, mm-hmm. something you can't explain, like a gut feeling. Ended up taking me in a side room and started telling me what I was going through, things my mom didn't know, yeah. things that, you know what I mean? And so then he started to talk about this is what you need to do. You know, pray, ask God for that, blah, blah, blah. And what he said were prayers that I'd had with God myself. Mm. Thing, deep insecurities about what it was that I wanted to do with my life, yeah. like at 19. And when he said that to me, I said, okay, I, all this time, Jesus has been a white man. But <laughs> what he's telling me is spiritually true. Mm. So the book he's referring to must be true as well. And then I read the Bible for myself and started the garden Eden. It says it encompassed the land of Africa. And then you start finding out about Jesus. One person is seen with bronze uh, colored skin and, and the locks that he had. And yeah, then Yashua Ben Yosef is a, is a different person, you know? Yes, 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 <laughs> absolutely. And, and that the painting of Jesus that we see was just because this guy decided that he wanted to paint this guy and say that that was Jesus. And then I said that, I was like, if white people wanted to use the book to further oppress us, why wouldn't they rewrite it so that it would take out all references of Africa? Why would it, why wouldn't they take out all references of Ethiopia? Why would Samson still have locks in their version of the book? And when you actually, most of the time you find out when you actually read the Bible, the Bible, nobody in the Bible is white until the New Testament. Right. When, when you get to Rome and the Greece. Romans, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, these are all either Africans or Middle Easterners. Right. And and I'm like, it's just geographically. I mean, geographically is common sense. <laughs> that's where it yes. was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you look like Jesus, brother. Like you know. And th- this is that's the way. Like if, if we're casting the Bible, <laughs> if we're casting the Bible, Damon is Jesus for sure. Like that's it. And so you know, as I started to really research it, it really helped me find out that the Bible is like a gun. It's a tool. It's a weapon. 
uh, you know, in the hands of whoever chooses to use it and how they choose to use it. And and that helped me reconcile Afrocentricity with Christianity. It just is what it is, right? It, it's a set of I- ideologies and tools and stuff like that that can be used for different things. Yeah. And yeah, you get to choose, like, if you're lucky, you get to choose what it's used for. Yeah. And you find out the power of a tool by... By by the fact that people choose to use this, right? Like you could have used the Willie Lynch letter. I don't even know if it was really written in the time period that it's supposed to be set in, but the Willie Lynch letter should have been the, the white man's Bible, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why was the white man's Bible, the, the Bible, the King James version, the Dead Sea Scroll? Like, and, and there are some some things in the Bible that are mad questionable. I don't have the answers to a lot of stuff, uh, but a lot of what I do, which is actually inherently the problem with the Bible, a lot of people are able to interpret it the way they see fit, you know what I'm saying? And the way I've interpreted Which it. You just have a a, a, a more healthy framework. Yeah. Like how you're trying to engage. In how engage with it. And it's, it's, it's not the Bible that started the oppression. They were already trying to. They were people. already <laughs> trying to do that. Like, I mean, the first slave was captured in, in 1400. So whatever, whatever, before they were even thinking about, they weren't reading the, you know what I mean? Like they, they ended up using it as a tool. And, and so that's people how. were oppressing each other and enslaving each other and for doing all kind of for a long, for a long, long time. time. That's why the stories were in there. Yeah. They, they had, yeah that's why they had some source there. material to go. Abso- absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, the Bible is African as hell. Long, long. Yeah. <laughs> point in, in your trips, um, where, where, where does that like come into play? Cause I know like with kind of Christianity is obviously big, especially on the Western coast, but I, you know, do you have into any interaction with like it's the, Ife, the yeah, it's, it's doing numbers. <laughs> you have any interaction with like the Ife or Yoruba tradition, or even knowledge of like the Ma'at traditions of like the Nile Valley, uh, concepts of spirituality. And does that come into play with, with your Afrocentricity? Yes, I do. I don't agree with them. I don't practice them. But I understand them and I respect them. Okay. Um, like it's the Yoruba tradition, that's in Nigeria, so it's, it's a little different. But there's a praise of the ancestors that you know, even my family members, some family members outside of my immediate and outside of even my like close extended family, uh, you know, still practice. And when you're on the continent, they make a lot of sense. Like you know, someone on our trip, uh, the historian said the Atlantic Ocean is the largest burial site for black bodies. And when you're in in the Atlantic Ocean, like one of the beach resorts we stay at. I remember the night before going to the slave castles, the waves, I had never seen waves so violent. Mm. Like the thrashing, I even recorded it on my phone. It was too dark to see, but you could hear it. The thrashing against the rocks, it was violent. It was scary. Like, and I just sat there just looking at the waters and praying, like, you know, about what I was about to experience the next day. It was the first time I saw the slave castles. The next day we go to the castles. We do like, you know, they got the, the rituals where you say never again, never again, moment of silence. You kind of be with the spiritual heaviness that you feel when you're in those dungeons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really visceral, out of body, can't really explain it with words type of experience. Yeah. Came back that night and the waters were calm. It was as if we paid our debt to the ancestors by visiting and paying respect to that that site. And so I understand why people praise the ancestors and what that looks like. I just choose to praise who I believe created us and the ancestors. Yeah. But and the, the tradition that's locked into it is very healthy because it's a respect for elders, it's a respect for tradition. It's, I also know though that voodoo is real and as they call it voodoo or um, you know Voodoon. Yeah, Voodoon or you know, however you want to call it, or uh, um there's another word for it, it's escaping my mind right now. Oh, juju. You know, uh, and I've seen it do evil to people. 
And I and I know it's real. I know it works because I've seen it do negative things. And I, it's just like the Bible, you yeah, know. I've seen it do ne- a tool or what, you know. Right. And so because I've seen it do a lot of negative, it's hard for me to embrace it as a, a viable, like you know, system for me mm-hmm. to make a part of my life. How for the other people that you're bringing on this trip who might have different relationships to religion? Like, is that part of the conversation? What's frustrating? Oh, I'm glad because the second part of the thing is now me being a Christian, I noticed that people on the continent worship a Eurocentric version of Christ. Mm -hmm. You go around the city, if you see a white face on a billboard, it's probably Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's it's still very much, even the schools that we donate to are Catholic schools and they have African local names and they also are named after some Catholic bishop where the archdiocese or the the Vatican doesn't donate to these schools and that's why they need us to come donate to them. Mm -hmm. But the school still bears the name of some white man who won't even step foot back in that place. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, and they still, I mean, it's the colonization. And so a lot of the education that we bring is, you know, if you take Fela Kuti, for example, the the mm-hmm. Nigerian uh, musician, he learned about Pan-Africanism and activism. And yeah, yeah. From an African-American woman, one of his wives, mm-hmm. she had to tell him about it because they don't get taught enough about slavery. Yeah. You know, just like we don't get taught enough about colonialism. Right. It's all purposeful. Yeah. So when we go there, we have these conversations about, well, you do know this is how Jesus, this is what you, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Like reminding them of who they are. They're like, we wish we knew. We found out about you. We're telling you. And, and there's this dialogue that happens mm-hmm. that I want to continue on a much larger scale. And so that we learn about the truth of who we are and who who it is that we're supposed to be worshiping in Yeshua and all of that so that we don't, because what happens subconsciously, uh, you create this white savior concept, like your your heroes. If all your heroes are white, then you don't think that a hero can be black, which is why black Panther did what it did worldwide because Mm -hmm. you know, heroes are supposed to be black, man. I like what you were just saying about, and we'll, we can get off this with a little bit of time we have left because I know, but I'm glad that we went deep into yeah. it because it's clearly something you think a lot about. But the right. way that you were just describing, like, you being able to show folks there things about themselves and then being able to, like, yeah. that sounds like that's the point of the whole thing. Yes. Right? Is that it's not this, like, um, yeah, it's subject to subject. Yes. It, it's not like we're going to go have this experience that will only tell us about us. It's like, no, it's this interchange of It's ideas a true cultural and, and, exchange. Yeah, on both ends. You know? Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So then coming back to the city, and so much of what you make is Chicagoland-based and, and, and place-based in that way. Um, are there things in your you know, media making, in the journalism, being on, on TV and on the radio, um, that like you're trying to show the people of Chicago about themselves? Mm. I wish I was that deliberate. <laughs> it's like, I make cool I mean, stuff. Man. Yeah, I mean. The, I, take, I take my assignments. Exactly, right, right. The great answer would be yes, but like. No, thank you for the honest answer. But the honest answer is, nah. <laughs> you know, I just. Just you, do your thing. Yeah, just do my thing. Like, and, Which is enough. I give, I, yeah, I give a few examples though. Like they had, they do these news series on WGN Radio and they're like, and it's funny too, because like when I do, you know, a lot of people, a lot of black people tell me this too. You don't want to get, you know, like a uh, pigeonholed as the black, like, you know, mm-hmm. you cover black Chicago and black politics, whatever, whatever. But I'm like, no one else is telling these stories. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not on a quest to prove I'm smart. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm not on a quest to prove I can do this. I mean, you know, like if you want to put me on the technology, if I hosted the business morning show, they know what I can do, whatever. It's the yeah. stories that need to get told. So they had like this new series that each of us do, each anchor does. And it just so happens mine always tend to be black focused mm-hmm. or South side because 
really I'm lazy and I just know where I can get my my, <laughs> my people from. You know, I'm, I'm a busy guy, so I can call Damon and say, let me get a soundbite. You know what I'm saying? So like it, I did my first one was about the hunger strike at Diet High School uh, that led to Diet High School remaining open. The uh, second uh, new series I did was about the Obama presidential library and gentrification mm-hmm. and how we need to really think about what that might do. And then uh, the third idea was the 50th commemoration of the assassination of Dr. King. And I went mm-hmm. down to Memphis and did stories on that. So in hindsight, I could look and say, I'm trying to show the world yeah. about it. But, but you're just doing the things that you're thinking about and you're interested in the people, you know, you know. Yeah. In the spaces. Yeah. yeah. So that's how it kind of kind of comes out. One example that I saw that's not that that I thought actually goes to something you were saying earlier about like no matter where you are, you're like, I know who I am. And then using that to make a connection on something like the Word. it was a very like less serious piece. It was the the video piece going to the restaurant out in the burbs. Yes. So it's like you could tell a little bit about it. Uh, it's just like kind of like breakfast restaurant, all this stuff in, in Elgin, these restaurants out in Elgin yes. doing like food coverage. And what I loved about it was that one again you sound like you and you are you everywhere but also you were like relating to people finding the overlap finding the connection between like family recipes and stuff like that and not trying to make them the same but saying like this is my experience does that resonate with you with your personal experiences is that how you again maybe i'm just reading intention no now that now that is deliberate thank you thank you for for that like first of all can i just say really quick because i don't get to get interviewed a lot this has been fun and brilliant (laughs) and these questions are brilliant um appreciate man real talk we 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 take praise right (laughs) we will not decline any praise praise. currency works but no um he's talking about if you go to domat.net and check it out i was on chicago's best hoping some hosting some episodes of that is d-o-m-e-t-i.net and you know coming for you hungry hound you feel me (laughs) feel me shun nah but it was like um you know, I'm like, yeah, my family makes fufu and soup in West Africa. What is your, you know, family? What did your grandma make for you, et cetera, et cetera? And you bring that to the fore because I think African Americans, the problem that we have, the stereotypes, what makes us us, we're not supposed to like fried chicken in public because, oh, that's bad. Nothing wrong with the chicken. What did the chicken do? What did the watermelon do to yeah, anyone? Dave Chappelle said that the most. Brilliant. Who are these people who don't like fried chicken <laughs> yeah, and watermelon? Exactly. <laughs> delicious. He's like, I'll do a commercial for that tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> watermelon is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like let's normalize all of our, our experiences yeah. as greek as you are as, as african as i am we just we just got plopped in different we're both hungry we're both hungry <laughs> let's get this food and get this money like you know it's not about all of that so it feels good to be in spaces and and i want to be transparent too and say i had trouble like if you listen to my very first interview before i didn't know anything about radio my very first interview was with hill harper interview ever not like period as first person i interviewed i had to interview somebody who had a public uh, national platform Mm -hmm. make a long story short i was overly proper Mm -hmm. i'm like hello how are you doing and i (laughs) and it took me a while to figure out how to be this my same self in all of these spaces so that when my man's from the block see me on wgn news they're not like look at him trying to you're not doing newscaster voice (laughs) exactly white newscaster (laughs) exactly exactly you know there's a version of it i can I modulate a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. but because you can say modulate, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, still trying to say it. 
like as, as hood as I can, modulate. You know. But the funny thing about that is that it's not even how white people talk. Like newscasts. No human talks like that. Nobody talks like that. I am on Ergo Podcast. Anyway, we we gotta go. So I can't even get it. I can't even give it the context it deserves because it's the most important thing we do. But we play a game every week, and we gotta get you on it. Beef with an R and B singer and why? Any R and B singer from any era. Trey songs. His voice sounds weird. There it is. The vibrato is is not is not working. We got it. Where can they find you? They can find me at Domati D O M E T I underscore on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to pop on Twitter. D O M E T I underscore and my website is D O M E T I dot net. Shout out to the dot nets out here. Yes. <laughs> Shout out the dot nets or Domatipongo dot com. Domati dot com was taken somehow. If y'all want to get it back from him, if y'all see them in the streets, <laughs> tell them I want my website. <laughs> Ergo Radio everywhere. I'm at Ergo Daniel. Damon underscore AF. And uh, we'll be back next week with another conversation showcasing and celebrating Chicago. Much love to the people. Peace. I got pants from Japan. I got fans in the stands. Fake friends shake hands. Real friends money dance. Stop sign nigga scrams. Red light nigga scrams. We ain't never been friends. It ain't never been worth it. God loving my circuit. High as hell nigga. High as heaven don't this episode of ergo is brought to you by cards against humanity they asked us not to read an ad so we didn't